0: it's around the house we've been talking today about remodeling flipping investing in manufactured housing and as we know that we've been talking about this is one of those things that can be pretty tough and if you do it right you can provide somebody with an amazing home but many times these things can be big projects and so we've been talking about that today we're just talking in the last segment here about the different generations and what some of the weak points are and these dates are not hard but you get an idea within a few years this is what they are so anything prior to 1990 and even 1995 can be that way but we're you got to draw a line someplace and so i just picked the even year but really what you're seeing out there is you're seeing these older ones 60s 70s very much and they get better as they get newer but you saw all that water damage you saw When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to the Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, if you want to be a part of Around the House or if you have a home improvement question, give me a call at 833-239-4144. That number is 833-239-4144. Or four and if you want to find out more about us head over to around the house oncom today I wanted to talk a bit about remodeling flipping or investing in manufactured housing and this is something that I think that we have never really talked about in this way before in the show at least in my coming up on jeez getting closer to a decade here than not let's put it that way and around the house has been around for a long time Coming up on, uh, what, year 38 this year. So it's incredible how long this show has been going on. And I don't know if we've ever actually touched on this one. So it's a new one. And it was from a request from one of you, our listeners. So let's talk a little bit about it. There are different generations of manufactured housing. And they were built completely differently over the years. So let's talk a little bit about that so we can get on the same page of how that works. So first off, what we have... Is we have the stuff that was built up to, let's call it up to pre 1990, anything of that, whether it's single, double, triple, whatever. Many of those were built, but with walls inside that were two by three instead of two by four. They have paneling or they have some kind of a wallpaper sticking to paneling. Now, when we're looking at the single wide versions, just the single wide manufactured house. These many times were built, especially before 1990, like 70s, 80s, even 60s. They were built very similar to some of the RV and park models out there. So that's the way that is. When we got up into 1990 and 20 1990s to maybe 2010, you started to see regular materials starting to come in. Drywall would come in, and even in the 90s, when it was drywall, it was already pre-finished sheets, but at least it was drywall. So you start to see some of that stuff come in there and we get away from the paneling. And then we're starting to see exteriors built where this stuff is really put together better. You're seeing more typical siding. You're starting to see better windows. And then by the time you got up into 2010, up into the current, we're really seeing stuff built like stick framed homes. So now that we talk about that, let's talk about the value here, guys, that we start to see. And one of the big things that when you're out there, whether you're looking to buy, you're looking to flip, you want to remodel one, or you're just looking for a place to live, where is it located? Is it located in a park? Is it located on a piece of property? Is it sitting on a foundation or not? And these are all different things, and they can also mean different values as well. Let's talk about that. Many of the parks out there as a new trend we're starting to see, because 15, 20 years ago, we started to see these parks get turned into housing developments. Company would come in, buy up the entire park, tell everybody they have six months to a year to live, and people would bail. Now, the problem with that, now here's the big problem. The problem that we saw with that was, and this was a big one, is that we saw a lot of people not being able to afford to move them out of that park because maybe it was going to cost them five to 10 grand to move it out but the place was only worth 15 or 20 so it didn't make cost effective sense for them to go do that move it set it up and they were out of house many times people would just leave them there and abandon them and then they would come in with excavators and haul them off which wasn't great for affordable housing and that became its own big problem so that was another issue. And so now you're starting to see where cities and stuff are starting to protect these or maybe put them in rent control areas and things like that. And that can be a big deal. And don't go judging because of the trailer park, because I know David Applebaum, who's been on this show before and such a kind, gentle man. I love that guy. He bought a beautiful place, Pacific Palisades, California. Jeez, those things start about 800,000, I think, in there now and go up to millions of dollars. And these are single, double, wide homes, all from the 70s, 80s, 90s, even 2000s. So they've been remodeled. They're nice, but they're still paying a rent space. They have protected. But then here are some of the things that you run into. And this is some of the issues that can be big in these parks. And it's something to think about. Some of the older homes had 100 amp service. And this is where it can be a little bit of a cramp in your lifestyle. And it's something to think about. Because if you went out and bought your, I'm going to buy this, I got this, and you go to go buy your new Tesla or your new F-150 Lightning, and then you go to hook up a car charger, many times you don't actually have enough power to turn the lights on, turn the heat on, or turn the dryer on and charge the car. You just It's using too much of that power, or it's just not cost effective for them to go around and update that. So that can be a big issue. A lot of these places were minimally wired, and it's very expensive, especially with all that underground stuff, to go back and do it again. And yes, underground power can be expensive to maintain down the road because after a while, it's been underground, there's water in it, and it has to get repulled and redone. So that can be very expensive to maintain. And then, of course, these people that are running these parks, are that's a business. They need to be able to run that and be able to afford to repave the streets and all this other stuff that happens many times these are um interesting situations especially when we're starting to see what's happening now with building code and energy upgrades and that kind of stuff so we'll have to keep an eye on that and see how that affects housing but that's really what we're starting to come down to is we're starting to see that these areas are now becoming more protected which is good and quite frankly i want to see more of them being built and we're going to talk about that later on in the show Because that's a big deal. That's a big deal when we can go through and make sure and get that opportunity out there. And we'll talk in the later on in the segment here about not this segment, but the next segments. We're going to talk about the affordable housing options for this stuff. But really, let's start talking about what you're looking. If you're out shopping to buy one, to move into one, maybe to flip one, maybe you're going to do that. Let's talk about that. But let's dive a little bit more into those different generations that we were talking about in the beginning because this is where it starts to make a big deal. We'll get started on this and hit it after the break here and make sure that we can uh, answer these questions for you fully. So when you're looking at these, the pre-1990 stuff, there's a lot of issues that we run into there. One of the biggest ones is going to be water damage because these were built, many of them, not all by any means, but many of them were built, especially the older ones you get, much more like RVs. And so what happens is you've got the metal frame, you've got lumber on top of it, And then they build the floor, and then they build the walls on top of it and keep going. The problem is that water has come down between the plastic or the metal on the outside. Many times it was metal. And so that metal got behind it, and now that plywood or whatever else back there has gotten really rotten and really punky, so it's just a hot mess. And then that water gets down into the floor system. And to really rebuild these and build them back correctly... So you've got a good place. It's tough with that metal siding. And I would tell people many times, okay, unless you're trying to do this as a passion project, this isn't going to work out well because there is so much work that has to be done to try to save it. It's a restoration project, which not a lot of the materials are still there. You can't go out and buy that metal siding material anymore because it doesn't exist out there. It was made for that manufacturer at that point, but it's gone you've got plumbing things that are way different. You've got a water heater that comes in from the outside, a normal new energy efficient one's going to have a hard time fitting into. And then you've got all the different plumbing issues as well. So you've got different plastic parts and you've got a basically a building full of one-off materials which you are going to have to customize and replace with more traditional materials every step of the way. So this is a To do this, it's more of an expert level thing to do. We'll be back after these important messages. Don't go anywhere. Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. If you want to reach the smartest listening audience of homeowners and contractors without competing with those crazy political ads, head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com and contact me personally for more information. That's AroundTheHouseOnline.com. What's up? This is Sticks it in And Satchel from Steel Panther. And you are listening to... Around the House with Eric G. Yeah. We love Eric G and you should too. 1987, I never want to leave you. Welcome back to the Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Hey, if you want to see some of my video content out there, head over to the website aroundthehouseonline.com. We are getting close to 300 videos on my Fox 12 plus here show that I have in the Portland metro area, which is around the house northwest, which you can stream across the country. But every week we do six or seven segments, and that is up on my website. You can find it there. It'll link over to the group, so you can find it all right there. And that's at aroundthehouseonline.com. We've been talking today about remodeling, flipping, investing in manufactured housing. And as we know that we've been talking about, this is one of those things that can be pretty tough. And if you do it right, you can provide somebody with an amazing home. But many times, these things can be big projects. And so we've been talking about that today. We we're just talking in the last segment here about the ge- different generations and what some of the weak points are. And these dates are not hard, but you get an idea within a few years, this is what they are. So anything prior to 1990 and even 1995 can be that way, but we're, you got to draw a line someplace. And so I just picked the even year, but really what you're seeing out there is you're seeing these older ones, 60s, 70s very much and they get better as they get newer, but you saw all that water damage. You saw really subgrade electrical systems in these things. So maybe they used aluminum wire, maybe it was a hundred amp circuit. Maybe it just didn't have enough power to even wash be able to do a washer and dryer inside without adding it. So these things can be pretty tough and a pretty hard investment. So if you're actually looking out there to get into something and invest in it, because really that's the one thing about investing and it might seem obvious, but it's a return on investment. You wanna be able to make some money. So this is where you really need to pay attention to where your dollars are. And these early models can be absolute money pits, which nobody wants to mess with. So unless you're getting a killer deal on it, which you could, I've seen some people buy these things for thousands of dollars. And now you're talking about being able to put something into it. But at the same point, you need to be able to do it right. And with many of these, there's going to be a pretty detailed inspection if you go to sell it like any home. So make sure that you'll be able to get those things dialed in. And that's where you need to make sure that that stuff's taken care of. So as we go up, 1990 to 2010, we were talking earlier about how drywall came to play, but really, we're starting to see normal dimensional lumber. When we get into the 90s, we're starting to see two by six exteriors for insulation. We're seeing regular shingles that are named brand. We're seeing a nice steel door that is wood cased instead of a, a mobile home door that looks like it came out of an RV. And we're starting to see different levels of energy efficiency. We're starting to see normal wiring. We're starting to see typical plumbing, but here's where the problems come in on the plumbing. A lot of this used the polybutylene, basically cut and paste pipes for your hot and cold water. Those things failed miserably. So when you're looking at these 1990s to 2010s, even up a little newer, you've got to be careful of the pipes that are inside because you might need to replumb the place to make it make sense for you. And that's okay. You can go through and do that. And it's not that big a deal because a lot of this stuff is coming up through the floor. You're not have two stories. You've got access underneath. And that is, again, one of those things that I want you to be careful of. Many times when they've put these in parks or things like that, what you're going to want to do is actually go around and remove that screwing around the outside so you can get under there and do that kind of work. If they've sunk it in underground, if they've partially buried that so it's more like a regular foundation, or they've built decks around the entire perimeter, sometimes access can be tough. And sometimes it's really hard to get underneath those things just to do general repairs. So some of those things like access, it could be like a tiny crawl space where you've got 10 or 12 inches out of there to get underneath it, and that can be pretty tough. So in that situation, I want you to really be careful of what you're working with. Now, the other issues that we see in these years and even older is that... The insulation was put in and they have that kind of rodent barrier fabric down there. Once that stuff gets tore up, it is hard to get underneath there. It can be replaced, but it is quite the project to get underneath it. Because when they do this stuff, they do it in a factory. And so a lot of times they're putting that on upside down and then they flip the piece back over again. So when it goes in, a lot of this stuff is done the other way around. And that can be interesting. That can be very interesting. And now when we're getting into the 2010 to current stuff, now we're looking at stuff. It is primarily built like a regular home on top of a steel foundation with axles. That's really what you can look at it. And a lot of these, when you go set it in on a foundation, nobody can tell. And we'll talk a little bit about that in later in another segment here, because that is important stuff. And I want to talk about where the future is towards the end of this. But that's where we're starting to see a lot of these different things right there as far as doing it. Now, investment-wise, where do I think your biggest, your biggest opportunity for investing in something like this? If you're handy and labor is free, looking at those 1980s double-wides are pretty good or finding a cream puff of a 1970s or 80s single-wide that is on the market for pennies on the dollar. That's what you want to do. If you can go in there and pick it up for 5,000 bucks and turn around and sell it for 50 or 80, might not be a bad way to go, but you're going to have to invest in that and be careful because so many things are more expensive to work with. And you're going to want to do the work yourself because there's many contractors out there that if you go to hire to do this, that don't want to mess with it. And so that is one of the issues with the really older stuff that you see out there is That damage can be extensive and it could be almost not cost effective if you're paying someone to fix it. So this is where you need to come in and do it correctly. Now, there's a lot of different kind of idiosyncrasies between the years, but that's really what we're talking about there. Now, investment-wise, I think there's a huge opportunity out there. But again, you need to have some things with the park and some understandings of what's going on there. Because if you go spend all this money, spend all your hard earned work in putting this thing ready to sell. And then in two years, that place goes up for sale. There's going to be some people super unhappy and that thing might not have the value. All it takes is a news report, right? Hey, this place might go up for sale next year and your profits are out the door. And that might be something you don't have any control over. And that can be really expensive If you can't control the outcome of what is going, because sometimes moving these is something that can be really expensive. And that's something that you need to take into account when you're remodeling. Because if you're remodeling it and you start working on where that common wall is in the house where maybe two sides were split apart and you fix stuff where it can't be again, that could really hurt that investment if something has to happen down the road for that to happen. And maybe the new buyer won't notice it, but let's be good humans and make sure these guys are set up to be in a very good position so make sure you take your time do these projects correctly and really understand how these things are built because that's going to be a key to understand now we come back i'm going to talk to you how they build these things because it's probably not how you think and we'll do that just as soon as around the house returns we're going to have some fun with this one we'll be back after these important messages don't go anywhere (laughs) Hey, this is Ron Keel, the metal cowboy from Keel, the Ron Keel Band and Steeler. We are rocking Around the House with Eric G. Raise your fist, make your stand. Welcome back to the Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, if you want to be part of the show, give us a call at the studio at 833-239-4144. That's 833 833- 239-4144. If I miss you and you call and leave us a message here, maybe I'm not in the studio. Maybe I'm out shooting TV. If you do call and you leave a message, make sure and leave me a time to best call you back. And I'll try my best to uh, get a hold of you there. Cause uh, we do have people that listen all over the country and worldwide. So I will do my best to try to call you back during that time and feel free to leave an email address as well. And I can help you there as well. So there's a lot of things that we can do for you. And if you didn't write it down, it's okay. Just head over to AroundTheHouseOnline.com and all that information is hiding right there. We've been talking about remodeling, flipping, or investing in manufactured housing. And I wanted to talk really about how these are built and how they do it because it's fascinating, especially today, how these things are built. So what is you have steel basically in a manufacturing facility and they cut and build what would be the transport side of this thing, which is what's going to haul it down the road. So it'll have the the, the tongue, the hitch. It's going to have the, the, the axles, which will be many times removable and all of that stuff that goes in. And then what they do is they actually build a floor system on top of that. Now, sometimes that floor system is built independently and they build it upside down. So then that way they can actually insulate it, get the bats in there. They'll put the, the flooring down let me back up because it's actually more detailed than that let me slow that down a little bit so you can explain so i can explain it to you so they'll build the frame up sometimes they'll sheet it with the osb or plywood or whatever they're using then they'll flip it upside down and they'll plumb it and insulate it upside down and put the put the rodent vapor barrier type fabric down staple it down get it all into place and then flip it back over and then they start building from there on up now, many times that these wall systems are actually built on a jig. So they will build it flat and that whole, maybe it's a 40 foot length, whatever that is, it will get basically built, framed, sheetrocked, rocked and moved over as best they can. Now, here's one thing that I love about how they build homes these days. It is super efficient. If you see a uh, 1400 square foot home these days you'll see three or four dumpsters come out of there of the extra debris as far as the cut ends of wood the drywall scraps the roofing scraps all the packaging all that stuff that's not how these things are made today get a manufacturing facility and that's what's cool about this now if you look at the drywall one facility that i was in I love this. Skyline Homes does a great job, and I love those guys over there. In full disclosure, they are a sponsor of my television show, but that's not why we're talking about it here. I was so impressed going through their manufacturing facility here in Oregon. When I walked through it, they get all the materials already basically pre cut. So they're not throwing waste away. Why buy something you don't need? So that's how they've got their costs dialed in. Now their drywall comes in full width sheets, which are custom made for this. And then they're using adhesive when they're putting it in, so there's less screw holes and less, or actually no screw holes in many situations, where that adhesive does a better job than the mechanical fasteners. So it works really well. So what that does is it makes it easier for them to finish and less patches. There's nothing wrong with that. And so what you get is, quite frankly, a stronger drywall grip than many of your spec homes out there. And that's a common problem in today's drywall, because if you walk into your home centers, lumber yards, and you look at drywall out there, there's this new light drywall. And if you talk to my firefighter friends, they talk about how that new light drywall, if you're installing it, should have twice as many screws to hold it up because there's a lot of air in that. And during a fire, the ceiling can collapse earlier. So that light drywall is not as durable in a fire as the old drywall that we had that was a lot heavier. It's easier to move around, but that adhesive solves that problem because now you've got full contact with that stud going across there. So I prefer the adhesive in a house over the screws. If you do a combination of both, great, but that is a better grab on that. And so now all of a sudden you just have drywall sheet seams to tape and mud. That ends up being a pretty good thing. And they will finish that and then go over and lay the ceiling on it. And that's what's cool. So they'll lay that ceiling in and off they go. So you really look at how this stuff is built and it's efficient. It uses less waste and it's built better. And here's why I think it's actually built better these days because it's being built inside. For instance, I live here in the Pacific Northwest and this time of year When I see a two or three level home being built, for instance, when it's being framed up, that lumber has been sitting outside for 30 days sometimes, depending on what the weather is. The plywood's looking black and moldy. The studs are looking discolored and moldy. They're soaked full of moisture. And now you got guys going on putting house wrap on and nobody's drying these houses out correctly, which can be a huge health issue for people because now you're starting out with a brand new home jam packed full of mold. Now, if you're buying one of these manufactured homes, that lumber was in a lumber bunk and it was shrink wrapped up. So it's been kiln drying and it gets dropped off and everything's done inside. So you don't have partially damaged OSB because it's gotten way too wet on the job site. You don't have all that mud covered lumber that no one's cleaned off. So this is where those things really turn out pretty well. And so that's the cool part. So you start to see that. And then the rest of this is like building a regular home, siding, roofing, all those things go on. But the cool thing is is you don't have to worry about it being dried in so they can do it a little more things that make a little more sense so they can get all the siding and everything on and then go put a roof on it because they're not in a situation that requires for that to happen. You don't have to get that thing all dried in because it's already in a building where it's being built, which makes a lot more sense. So, then what happens is that thing gets built and kicked out the door. And then all of a sudden, within a couple of weeks, people are living in a home, which I think is super important here. And then we come back here in a few minutes. Actually, we'll go out to break here in a moment. But the one thing that I want to talk about here is how I see this going forward. Because one of the things that I'm seeing out there is modular homes and manufactured housing isn't being used correctly. And our politicians, And all of the people out there that are trying to come up with affordable housing solutions aren't doing a very good job and they're missing some darn obvious stuff out there. And so this is something I wanted to preach about a little bit here today. And thanks for tuning into this because I think there's some good options out there because I don't know where you live, but I know that affordable housing is a thing of the past here. And the last thing I want is my government to be doing it for me. I think there's a lot of good answers out there for people but we just got to let people go out and solve these problems instead of it being a government solution. And we come back. I'm going to talk about that because I think there's some great ideas out there that can be super affordable fast. And I think it's going to save people a lot in the long run and get people into homes that have always wanted to be in homes, but they're stuck in an apartment that they can't afford to get out. They're in that trap, right? They're in that trap where they're like, man, I can't afford to put a down payment in. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And now I got to be able to do something here so I can afford to get in a home that I love. And I think that is one of the cool things that I see coming up in the future with this huge trend that is just getting ready to explode right now. And I think this is going to be an answer for a lot of people out there. And no, this isn't going to solve the homeless problem out there. The homeless problem is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting people that are housed, that are into more affordable places and it's going to be their own. So it's going to be their investment. They're not going to be paying to the landlord. They're going to be paying to, well, themselves and putting that money away so they have something there. So when we come back, we're going to dive into that. And I think some great solutions of building, especially lower income developments, where I think we can really create some cool places out there and fast. And that's going to give you a safer and more affordable place to live. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Welcome back to the Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Thanks for joining me today. We've been talking about remodeling, flipping, or investing in manufactured housing. And one thing before we get into the wave of the future is I wanted to talk to you about making sure that you understand how the loans and all of that stuff works. And so you really need to go through and make sure that you understand how money is going to be transferred because most people are buying cash for this stuff. Sometimes it takes special lenders to get alone for manufactured housing. So these are things that you need to spend the time and do the research and get pre-qualified before you go out shopping. So you know what you're looking for and you know what you're doing before it comes up. So that way, you know what you're looking for. Cause sometimes I'll go, Oh, that's too old. We're not going to loan on that. Okay. Got it. So find out what those limitations are and see what you're working with. So you know what you're doing. So that's a big key right there is just to understand what the limitations are and what you need to do to be able to get that dialed in. And that can be a really huge deal. So that's something to think about while you're doing this. Now, what we're seeing here is this new trend in affordable housing that uh, I'm seeing out there that I think is really cool. And we're seeing it, for instance, what Skyline Homes is doing, for instance. So they have a model that they are building for developers out there. And it is a cool double or or three-section-wide manufactured home. But what they're doing is they are building it so it is front garage ready. So what they can do is they'll go in and a developer will come in and buy land for let's say 50 homes, right? They go in, they put the streets in, they get the utilities in, they get the garage slab poured, the foundation poured for them to put the house or lift the house on. And then what they'll do is they'll come in and lift that onto the foundation. They'll pull it up out front. They'll build it in the factory. They'll deliver it, install it, finish up getting those sections bolted together and everything fastened together. And so that's put together. And then they'll finish the garage. They'll build the garage on the front of it. And this looks like every other suburbia manufactured neighborhood that you can't tell was pre-built and moved on site. And that is a really big thing because it has a normal garage that's attached to the house. The siding matches, the roofing matches because it's all the same stuff. And so in just a couple of weeks, all of a sudden now, you have it going from a foundation to a turnkey house, and then you're good to go. And you think about how fast that changes the development cycle and gets people into affordable housing. It's pretty cool. And you can build these out you can make them left, right garages, you can have different plans, and you could put those into a community. And it saved a ton of time and a ton of money because guess what? You can't build that house of that quality for less on a job site. Not happening. Those guys have got it that much dialed in. So it's a really good way to go. So I think that is going to be our way of the future. We're going to see this with some urban areas where they're trying to get more density in and jam pack more people into the city so you're going to see little they're making them now they've got the little adus where grandma can live out back or the kids can live out back that are in their 20s going to college any of these things and basically they build them pour a foundation they lift it up over the top of the crane drop it right back in and it is filled up and it is ready to go people are moved in a number of weeks and you've got something completely dialed in which is really cool and that's an affordable way to do it and again generally much less money than coming in and having somebody build it on site when you compare apples to apples of a similar construction. So it's a really good way to go with that. And so we're starting to see really great innovative ways of doing this. And they're building a cleaner house like I talked about. So that's a really good key right there. So I think this is where we're going to start to see this manufactured building become much more important. It's safer for the workers There's nobody up on the roof roofing when it's 105 degrees or 22 degrees. You've got a crew coming in that can turnkey this and get it all dialed in. They're building these homes. So they're meant to last you a lifetime. They have regular PEX pipe in there. They've got everything normal that you would see in a house. And quite frankly, it's probably built a little bit better because it's much easier to inspect it because they have their own quality people in it. Versus the building department walking through, giving it a drive-by walk or whatever they're doing, I think you're going to have a, you've got a much bigger thing on quality because they're going to have a warranty on it. So everybody on that team, since they're cranking them out, they know the best ways of doing these and it ends up being a better manufactured home, which I like. I would have no problem buying a piece of land, getting one of those, putting it out on there and enjoying my cabin in the woods. That is nothing wrong with that right there. And I think that's something that we can really start to take a look at and save some people some money. And that's the fun part with this. So we're starting to see that we have people out there that are doing container homes where they're taking shipping containers and building stuff out that way. And to be honest, I am not the biggest fan of those. And here's why. They're very hard to work with. And second of all, I want to know what's been in that shipping container. Did that shipping container haul dangerous chemicals back and forth? What is it? What environment has that thing been in? Now, I would want probably a new one. So I'm buying a new shipping container, which doesn't make any sense because I'm paying premium for that. And then I've got to go through to make this meet energy standards. I've got to go through, cut open windows, cut open doorways, and then I have to frame it on the inside so I can insulate it and do all those sorts of things. I'm not sure if that's actually going to save you money in the long run, but I think they're cool, kitschy projects. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think that's really going to be our answer. I think it's innovative, but I don't think it's any kind of a long-term fix that we're seeing for any of our housing issues out there. It's cute when they do it. And uh, I think if you want something different, and if you can get that through your local building department or any of the codes, I'm sure there's some cities that go, I don't want a shipping container house in my neighborhood. And they might not let it because it's a historical place or it's not a good fit. But nonetheless, I think it's good for some people and they want to build their own custom project. And I have seen some absolute gorgeous ones, but really, I don't think that's a long-term solution for that. So really that just lays on this affordable housing and what we can do with that. And that is going to be in my mind, manufactured housing. And I think one thing that if I could wave a magic wand would be to remove that stigma that we see with that, because anytime somebody goes, Oh, I live in a manufactured home. So many times people go, Oh, you don't need to live in a real home. No, these new ones are built well better than some of these name Brown house builders that we see out there that are doing, horrible homes i have seen some builders and i'm not going to use any names here because i don't want to i don't want to scare people away here but some of these builders out there i have seen walls so warped in a bathroom this was in florida that if you hung the mirror on the wall the mirror was crooked because the wall was that crooked because there was an arch in that wall there was just a big bow so these are all things that you can get away just get away from in this type of situation so you've got lumber that's been treated right and everything else so not trying to talk to you guys into it but i just wanted to talk a little bit about what makes good manufactured housing and that all the brands out there make some competitive stuff these days i don't have a bad thing to say about any of the manufacturers out there and now we're starting to see these companies out there that are doing not even where they're calling them out basically on flatbeds And there is no steel frame underneath it. They're basically a modular home that doesn't have its own frame and wheels. But again, now it's going to be even harder to move that thing around. And so transport costs can be much more expensive versus the traditional way they've hauled stuff around. Do your research. Take a look at the people out there. And if you're out there taking a look around and you're thinking about buying them, think about getting something newer. Or if you're looking for a project, get something old that's got good bones and you'll be okay. It'll work out, and you could save some good money. I've seen on Facebook Marketplace, some of these places out there are selling these things for five, six, seven, ten, fifteen thousand 10, 15,000 bucks, and then you've got a a few hundred bucks or even a thousand bucks a month in some cases for expensive place, but depending on where that park is, that can be a good way to go as long as you can get a long-term lease and not get stuck in a place that you're going to have some issues with. All right, guys, that's enough of this subject. If you want to find out more about us, head over to aroundthehouseonline.com. And then if you want to give me a call, you can give me a call here in the studio 24-7, and I will call you back, 833-239-4144. That is 833-239-4144. And I'd love to give you a hand with your next project that you've got going. If you're stuck, feel free to give a call and I'll answer it. Some people call up and go, hey, I don't want to be on the radio. I just want to have an answer. And that's what we do. But for all of you that want to be a part of the show with a question, feel free to give me a call. And that's 833-239-4144. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next week. If you're listening on the radio, make sure and catch us on your favorite radio station like this. But if you miss the show, don't worry. You can always catch us on the podcast on any podcast player. Go back for years. And on the radio, I'll see you next weekend on Around the House. And if you're on the podcast, I'll see you in the midweek special on Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to Around the House. We'll see you soon. Let's be lovers. we all the radio. Take my. Hey, guys, it's Eric G from Around the House Show. We'd really appreciate your help with some awesome five-star reviews on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you tune into your podcast. Big thanks, everyone, and a shout-out to our dedicated listeners of Around the House.